1: Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette today the podcast. I'm your host Steve Garrett. I want to thank our flagship sponsors right off the bat, Hendrick Chevrolet of Kansas City. Hendrick is the largest seller of Corvettes in the Kansas City area and they ship nationwide. You can visit chevyusa.com or call them at 913-384-1550. That's 913-384-1550. Also, another flagship sponsor is midenginecorvetteforum.com. If you'd like to join a new vibrant forum community that focuses on the new mid-engine C8 Corvette, it's free to join this friendly Corvette community. You'll meet a lot of fellow Corvette enthusiasts just like yourself at midenginecorvetteforum.com. My special guest today is a man that you should know very, very well. You've seen his paintings, you've seen his watercolors, you've seen his prints, and if you're a true Corvette enthusiast, if you don't have one of these paintings or prints in your collection, you need to add it immediately. Let me introduce you to Dana Forrester. Dana has been painting Corvettes with watercolor in front of brick walls for many, many years, and he's an icon in our world of Corvette. Dana, welcome to Corvette Today.
2: Hey, thank you, Steve. Thank you. Very nice introduction. Thanks.
1: You're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. Talk to us about where you grew up, Dana, and also tell us a little bit about your military background.
2: I grew up in Northeast Missouri. Kirksville is the name. It's about 90 miles north of Columbia, and there's a university there. So I grew up and started doing art probably in the elementary level. My parents saw some talent there and negotiated a Saturday morning art class with a real art teacher. That was a real influence for me. That was a real impetus for interest. Really, it is. I figured out probably by that time that I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player. Darn. (laughs) So I had to do something else.
1: (laughs) So you went into and really focused on artwork as a young boy then, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I did a normal childhood, too, and played a lot of baseball and football and season and whatever, but really enjoyed it. it. was It was just really, really fun. The older I got, the more incentive I got to create every level of school that I went through. I was heavily involved with church activities that had to do with art and in high school as well.
1: Well, tell me about when you started noticing cars and even when you started noticing Corvettes. What drew you to the Corvette out of all the other cars?
2: Well, you know, there were a lot of cars around. And when I was two and three, four years old, my parents would stand me up on the front seat of the car and I'd tell them Chevrolet or Ford or whatever. There wasn't a lot of these other cars that were imported at that time. So when I got to be in junior high... I remember riding in the back seat of my dad's car and going by on the main street through town, the main highway through town, was a 63 split window coupe. It was black. And when I saw that, my interest in cars turned on right away. Previous to that, I really didn't pay too much attention to them. But when I saw that 63 Corvette, that was so different than anything I had seen before And then I got interested in automobile magazines and so on and learned more. And when I got to be old enough to drive, (laughs) I didn't get a Corvette, I wish I could.
1: (laughs) It's ironic that you said that because the 63 split window is what really got me into Corvettes as well. When I saw that, it's like, okay, everything stopped for just a minute. And I noticed Uh that it's like, wow, to this day, I'd still love to have a 63 split window sitting in my garage.
2: Oh, I can facilitate that for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just might call you one day and have have you help me find one really good. So is that the one car that is missing out of your garage right now?
2: I don't have a 63. I've had other Corvettes mid-years is what I call them. Some people call them C2, but that doesn't work for me. Currently I have a 65 coupe and my first Corvette was actually a 66 coupe, a red one. Had a lot of fun with it for about 10 years and then bought this other one, the 65. Have great amount of fun with them. I've had, I think at the peak, we had four Corvettes in the garage. Wow. That got to be a juggling act, you know, because I, I feel like I need to drive any car that I have. Letting it sit is being negligent. I'd have to move two cars to get a third one out.
1: Well, that's a (laughs) problem.
2: And and drive it. Yeah, it, it gets to be a problem.
1: You've got a C7 in your garage as well, right?
2: Yeah, I do. I've got a Z06, a yellow C7 Z06, and that's a fun car.
1: What's the one Corvette, Dana, that you'd love to have in the garage that isn't there right now?
2: I would say a 1967 convertible i haven't had a mid-year convertible i would just like to do that and i think maybe i ideally i'd like a 350 horse 327 i've got a big block in the 65 and i just want to mix it up a bit
1: i don't blame you we're going to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to talk more to dana forrester about his style of artistry and also how he publishes his prints you're listening to corvette today the podcast Yogi Berra once said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up there. At True Wealth & Company, we take that to heart. See, at True Wealth & Company, we believe your retirement lifestyle travels through two doors. Door number one, the blue door, gives you more options, financial freedom. Your money outlives you. Every happiness you wish for in life is through the blue door. Door number two, the red door, is where you outlive your money. You rely on family, friends, or even the state to take care of you. At True Wealth & Company, we're not just financial planners. The best way to walk through the blue door is to have a written plan. Make a work-optional lifestyle a reality with our proprietary True Life Map formula. Look towards your future with anticipation, not apprehension. Having a rock-solid fiduciary partner like True Wealth & Company is essential to effective financial planning. There's no winging it. There's nothing left to chance. Look, we don't want you to become another Yogi Berra-ism. Give us a call today at 913-653-TRUE. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com. Start your financial independence and work
0: optional lifestyle today. Investment advice offered through True Wealth & Company, LLC. A registered investment advisor in the state of Kansas. You're listening to the Corvette Today podcast with Steve Garrett. Thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast.
1: I'm your host, Steve Garrett. Thank you very much for being here. We're talking with Dana Forrester. Dana is a icon in the Corvette world. His prints and paintings are well, well known across the entire world. We're going to talk more in this segment about his style of painting. Now, Dana, you talked about your love for art at an early age. When did you start actually drawing and painting Corvettes, and how did you come up with the style with the brick walls behind them?
2: That's a long and winding road. I got out of high school. I did a lot of drawing at that point. When I went to college, I had to try all kinds of different painting and medium. Once I got into college, I had to do a lot of things that I really didn't care for doing, but I really wanted to go on into art and make that a vocation. When I graduated, I found that really my degree was in art education, and so I extended my deferment status and started teaching school, teaching art in a smaller school district in eastern Missouri. That ended after a year when the draft board switched to a lottery system, and they caught me and took me for a couple of years. When I returned from the Army and a year in Vietnam, I got a job teaching again, teaching art here in the Kansas City area, Fort Osage High School, and started painting a variety of things, just kind of searching for a subject matter that I felt was going to be unique. That was about 1975. In 1987, I retired from teaching and then bought my first Corvette, and I started painting that just for my own pleasure. I had plenty of things to do. I was known at the time for the brick wall series with the advertising signs and and even several signs painted over each other. About 1990, I had club members. I joined the Corvette Club, and they saw some of my art and said, why don't you put a Corvette in front of that brick building? I'd thought about it, and I thought, you know, I don't think that'll work. But after they encouraged me even more, I did that. I put a 1960 in front of a fictional Chevrolet dealer with a round Corvette emblem painted on the wall. And, oh, boy, that took off. I kept the original for a while. I published prints of it, and I sold seven or 800 of them in a year. And I thought, hmm, boy. Did I stumble onto something here? It was unique. There was nothing else like that in the marketplace for Corvette people. And I started doing more and more. And then I kind of broke away from the background of brick wall for a while. I still do drive-ins and period-correct backgrounds behind some of the cars. But it just snowballed. It kept getting bigger and bigger. And fortunately, when Chevrolet brings out the C4 edition, And C5, and so on, it brings in a whole new group of customers. And some of them are the same ones that just keep collecting something new that I do. That started really about 1990, and I'm still doing it. It's just tremendous fun. Right now, I'm working on a 1970 convertible parked out in front of Union Station here in Kansas City. It'll be done in the next couple of days. I'll get it to the owner. That's a commission piece. So I did what he wanted me to do.
1: So people can commission a painting. How does someone Mm -hmm. go about doing that?
2: Well, the first thing they do is, is just to talk to me. They can contact me by telephone in the studio. They can run across me at an art festival or a Corvette show. Or you can check my website, and we'll give that information a little later. I can describe to people what I can do with their car. I will listen to them and what they like. Some people don't know what kind of background setting they want. They just want their car. And I make a proposal to them, do a sketch. And when they approve the sketch, then I go ahead with the painting. Initially, they have to pay 50% upfront for whatever size they choose for me to do. Sometimes it'll take as much as six months to complete a project. It kind of depends on my workload. I will complete their piece and i'll either email or send him a sketch in the mail to just show that i'm done and then they can make the final 50 percent payment everybody's really loved what i've done it's just really nice to be able to work with the people and become friends with people that want me to do something we have in common
1: now talk about the printing process because originally you had them as litho prints but now mm-hmm. you use a new process well, I don't know if it's a new process, but you have a unique process that you use in order to get these prints out in mass. Isn't that correct?
2: That's right. The new process is called Giclée. It's a French word that means reproduction. It's difficult for people to figure out how to say it. However, this is an inkjet printer. In 2005, technology changed. Go figure. My paintings weren't able to be scanned the way they were before to go into a lithograph. They still did lithography, but my original painting wasn't able to convert to lithography. So I, it sort of forced me into doing the gicle. It's more expensive per print to do that, but it allows a lot more flexibility. The quality is a little better. It's inkjet on watercolor paper. It is available in a variety of sizes. And I don't have to buy more than one print at a time. For instance, when I do a new series of prints for a new image, I usually do 10 of the smaller size and one of the next larger size up. And that gets me started. Sometimes those take off. I have a log book that I keep all of the numbers in, so I sell them sequentially in number.
1: Your paintings, prints, and lithographs come in different sizes then, and you can order in uh-huh. different sizes, correct? In the
2: Giclee, yes. In the lithographs, I haven't published a lithograph since 2005, and I still sell those a smidgen smaller, but I frame them the same size. The initial print, unframed, is $60, where the giclée of the same size is $100, because it costs me a lot more per print to publish those. So anyway, it allows me to manage my inventory a lot better. If I buy a 1,000 lithographs, they'll stack up about four feet tall. Wow. (laughs) And and that limits me as to where I can keep these. Sure. So it it really kind of came along at the right time, the Gicle series.
1: Your paintings and lithographs and prints are so unique and so identifiable. There's got to be a lot of famous people and a lot of companies that own your paintings, prints, or lithographs. Isn't that correct?
2: Yeah, I'm very fortunate for that. I have customers that want the same number of print for everything or for every one that they want to buy for me. So I keep this logbook. In fact, I have a customer that has number 513. He wants that same number with everything. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then I have other people that have reserved numbers. Some of them are engine size. Some of them are not. People collect them.
1: You want now, to do a I little have, bit of name dropping?
2: Can uh, yeah, one of the people in the Corvette hobby that's known would be the president of Mid America Motor Works, which is Mike Yeager. He and his wife have bought quite a bit of my work. Dana Meekum of Meekum Options has bought a lot of my original work, and commissioned me to do things. Nice. It goes on with the chief engineers. Formerly, the, the second chief engineer was Dave McClellan. And the third one was David Hill and I sold both of those, they've collected what I do. It just kind of goes on and on.
1: That's wonderful. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back in segment number three of Corvette Today, we're going to talk to Dana Forrester about his relationship with the National Corvette Museum and the National Corvette Restorer Society, the NCRS. You're listening to Corvette Today, the podcast. Fact: According to the March of Dimes, 40,000 babies are born each year in the United States with heart defects. At Athletic Testing Solutions, we take that, well, to heart. ATS offers the ATS Heart Check, a series of non-invasive tests to identify possible hidden heart defects in your kid's heart. Frequently, the symptoms of sudden cardiac arrest are masked or misdiagnosed the ATS Heart Check can help detect congenital heart problems or abnormalities that don't show up during regular checkups or a sports physical. Have you ever wondered about your child's heart health? The ATS Heart Check is a terrific option and it gives you peace of mind that your child is heart safe. Sudden cardiac arrest claims on average 130 young lives each week. Don't let your kids be a statistic. The ATS Heart Check only takes 20 to 30 minutes and utilizes an EKG and echocardiogram ultrasound of the heart. Visit ATSHeartCheck.com to schedule your your child today or call toll free at 888-537-2597
0: 888-537-2597 this is the corvette today podcast with steve garrett thanks for listening to corvette today i'm
1: your host steve garrett we're visiting today with dana forrester if you're a corvette owner and lover if you don't have a print lithograph or a copy of dana's work which is a corvette done in watercolor in front of a brick wall you are missing out my friend dana let's talk about your relationship with the national corvette museum and also the ncrs let's start with the Mm -hmm. national corvette museum talk about your relationship with the ncm
2: I have been going to the NCM and exhibiting there since it was new. Actually, I started at the second anniversary of it. I missed the grand opening. So I've been exhibiting there sometimes three, four or five times a year. Wow. I've gotten to know a lot of the people, the staff members and the directors. It's been a really good thing for me. I've donated a lot of things, some artwork for them to hang in the museum I did a wall painting on a brick wall sign that they built inside the museum. And I did a See the USA in your Chevrolet painting on that brick wall. Wow! In 1999, I became a lifetime member. And that's really pretty cool. I have a pretty low number of membership. I think it's 523. So I've been a lifetime member for over 20 years.
1: And you were also a member of the Board of Directors, correct?
2: Yes. I was the NCRS representative to the Corvette Museum for eight years. That was really a fun and interesting service to do that. I dealt with all the people that came and went off of the board, got to know them. We made some big decisions, and that was a different element of being in the Corvette hobby. It really was.
1: You mentioned the NCRS. Let's talk about the National Corvette Restorer Society. A lot of people might not know, who are new to the world of Corvette, might not know about the NCRS.
2: That's true. The NCRS is 40, 45 years old, I think. From its inception, I've been a member since 1987. I got memberships to learn about the vintage level of Corvettes basically the 66 that I bought first. As I got more involved with the local chapter of that, I went to some of their events and I displayed at some of their events. But I got to know a lot of people there. I always thought that Corvette people wore slick shirts and had 12 chains around their neck. (laughs) (laughs) That was wrong.
1: (laughs) Thank God.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, I think at one time it might have been like that. But as I got involved and got to know everybody, I just realized everybody's
1: normal people. That's true.
2: They don't have an attitude. But it was a great group of people to be involved with.
1: Talk about your positions that you held not only on the national level for the National Corvette Restorer Society, but also the local level, which is the Kansas City chapter that you're in.
2: Yes, I joined that chapter in 1987 and the national organization as well at that time. Eventually, I worked up to being a chapter chairman. Eventually, I became (laughs) chapter chairman for seven years. Not all at once, but I was involved with the organization of it. Once I became a board member, our chapter decided we wanted to do a national convention in Overland Park, Kansas, here in the metro area in Kansas City. And that happened in 2014. And I served as the chairman for that and put together a very good event. We had 20 or 25 historic Corvette race cars that had been restored We enticed them to come and exhibit at the event. It was a great event. Getting those race cars there, (laughs) well, that was a hoot.
1: It was a lot of fun. It was a great show. That was my first introduction into the National Corvette Restorer Society. But even though... yes. Even though I have a C7, I still joined the National Corvette Restorer Society, the NCRS, because I love the heritage and the tradition of Corvettes, obviously back to 1953. So being in the club and being in the NCRS kind of fulfills the full circle of Corvette for me. If somebody wants to buy a painting and goes to a show, what shows do you go to and exhibit at where people might be able to purchase a painting or a print?
2: My year starts with doing the Barrett-Jackson auction in January in Scottsdale, Arizona. Huge crowds. Every car lover needs to go to that event because that is, to me, the biggest and the best thing. It's like a museum that changes every year. Then I do the Kansas City Auto Show at the Convention Center, Bartle Hall, downtown in March. Sometimes I go to another Barrett-Jackson in Florida in April. I go to the museum the last of April for the bash. I go to Bloomington Gold Corvettes that currently is in Indianapolis at the Indy 500 Speedway. I do the NCRS convention. This year it was to be in Indiana, but they had to move the date and cancel it because of the virus. I do Corvettes at Carlisle in August in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. For a dedicated Corvette show, that's the biggest that there is right now. Right, It's just huge. Thousands of Corvettes.
1: And people can also purchase them online through the National Corvette Museum's website. Yes. That's great.
2: Then other events I go back to. After that, I go directly to Bowling Green and do their anniversary event over Labor Day. I do a couple of art festivals locally, and then I'll do Eureka Springs Corvette Weekend in Arkansas. That's always a fun event. I don't take everything that I have to sell, but I do quite a bit.
1: That's a terrific uh, little show. If anybody wants to go to a a neat little Midwestern show, the Eureka Springs, Arkansas Corvette Weekend is the first weekend of October, and it's just fantastic.
2: We have people that come every year from the Chicago area and from Dallas right, or other parts of Texas. Those are pretty long drives, and people are kind of dedicated to it.
1: It's a great drive. It's a lot of fun. It's Mm -hmm. a great drive. When you get inside maybe 20 miles of Eureka Springs, it's just like driving the Pacific Coast Highway, but with no ocean to fall into. (laughs) Yeah, it's really a winding road. It is. It's a lot of fun. Dean. if someone wants to reach you and purchase something or commission something, let's give all your contact information.
2: Okay, that's fine. First, I'll give my studio telephone number. Great. It's area code 816 478 0427. Yeah, that was a requested call number when I got, I've had that for decades. My email address is my last name spelled out, F-O-R-R-E-S-T-E-R, first initial D, at sbc net. I also have another email address, they all go to the same place, which is Dana at Dana Forrester.
1: And Forrester has two R's.
2: It has two R's, yes. Now, my website or my web store is just my name, DanaForresterArt.com. And I've got 230 or more images there for sale. Wow. It's sorted out at this point by the age of the car. I have to take them and say, okay, the solid axles and the mid-years are in one category and so on and so on.
1: Got it. That's perfect. So
2: you know they've got all the stuff. I've got five new pieces of C8 Corvettes already. Wow. But they're not all on my website. My printing company is overhauling. They're using this virus to bring in a new printer. So they're installing all that. I've got five or six pieces that I've built up lately that haven't been published yet.
1: That's wonderful. So if you own or have purchased a C8 and waiting for delivery or already taken delivery, you can get a new print of your brand new mid-engine Corvette from DanaForresterArt.com. Uh uh-huh. hmm Dana, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. It's I really
1: appreciate that. it. It's always fun talking to you, seeing your stuff. And like I said at the beginning of our podcast, if you don't own a piece of Dana Forrester artwork for your Corvette, you are missing out. It's not a complete collection without something from Dana Forrester. I'm Steve Garrett. Thank you very much for listening to Corvette today. Once again, I want to thank our flagship sponsors, Hendrick Chevrolet of Kansas City and also MidEngineCorvetteForum.com